Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. The DBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! Yes! Well, the Chargers are better than us. I guess there's uh, not really any doubt about that. Uh, my name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on the DBN Network, and the and I yeah I kept the uh, open in there. I'm still thrilled that we uh, we drafted Baker Mayfield. Definitely a tough one today, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, I guess as good a place to start as any. Uh, I don't know what the, I mean. I, I I realize he got hurt. I realize that the uh, wide receivers were <laughs> significantly um, not up to the task. Uh, and this, this is the second year, I don't know, maybe longer than that, uh, in a row of, of this being a particular problem for the team. And the problem showing up uh, early and often often today, but also just, you know, not as good a play at the quarterback position as we've seen to this point from uh, Mayfield as he, as the Browns, you know, get... I mean, pretty well, pretty well beat up today by uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, better team than us. And uh, you know, in addition to that, well, we're going to get to all of it. But staying on with uh, Mayfield, you know, in the second half, he comes out and just I, some of those like there's a, there was a third down throw in particular where it looked like he threw it in the back of an offensive lineman, and I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is? I mean, he's not. He's not that bad. Like I don't, I don't accept that all of a sudden this kid became Deshaun Kaiser today. I don't know what the hell that was. It shouldn't be all like that, but I'm just saying. I, I um, don't know what happened there. And of course, CBS did their dutiful work in not showing the replay. So whatever. Have to try to catch it on a different replay. But no. but that I mean there was other ones. Uh, you know, first half he has uh, two passes where he really kind of dropped it right in there where I, you know if we had wide receivers that were the caliber of what Los Angeles was th- trotting out there today i think those are two touchdown passes the first one to Callaway and the second one to Ratley who probably shouldn't have been playing today but you know we're down we were already down uh we lost Derek Willies on what day did we lose him is it wednesday we lost him you know collarbone accident after we were feeling pretty good about him now he was already down or he was he was already what our fourth receiver because we lost higo so it shows you how important that guy is so we lose higo then we get willies willie steps up we lose him rod streeter is the guy we signed a couple of weeks ago now streeter is a veteran and you're thinking okay well you know the only thing so far he's done was uh the end around last week that failed spectacularly against the ravens but this time around, he uh, um, well, he didn't even get a chance to catch the ball because he ends up getting his neck bent back 
on a special teams play covering punts in the so we lose him like immediately and we're down to three wide receivers for the game and two of them are rookies and the other one uh, you know our our friend uh bup who i have I, I put a lot of uh stock in what he has to say about things he uh said you know lando may be a little bit overrated and i tell you, I tell you something he really would he definitely didn't uh impress a whole lot today as far as i and i think the wide receiver situation generally um but he had a combination of things and and again not to take uh the focus uh, off of uh, mayfield here because that was as i say that's it's an issue it definitely is an issue when um there's in that second half especially the interception there's snow i mean He's he's hobbled right because he scrambles out in the first half, hits the uh, the uh, what the first down marker, and slips. Just you know weird. Thing. And I and I didn't really. Uh, I, I, it was his left foot right that that he that he hurt. Like that's what he ended up, or was it the right foot when he was trying to break his moment? I I, I couldn't tell which foot it was that he actually hurt uh, most of the game. But I was thinking if it's his right foot, that's going to be worse because that's his drive foot. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but either way, I mean, you could tell throughout the rest of the game that he just didn't have the same, you know, ability to move around that he's shown, you know, his first uh, three starts coming into, or first three games coming into today's game. And so there's that. Uh, but I think that combined with even before that was going on and then certainly afterward, a lot of holding on to the ball, uh, really, sh- you know, shades of uh, Tyrod. And somebody was upset that I was calling him thyroid. It was just—it's just, it's just a, a an affectionate nickname. It was—it wasn't meant as a sign of disrespect or a joke. It's just you know I nickname guys here. Um, but there was you know fourth quarter. There's this drop by Callaway on a deep. Uh, um, uh, it's not a seam pass, but it was a uh, post where he hit him on the hands, and it would have been a big gain. And I mean, game's out of reach at that point. It's, but still, you know, it, there was. There was plays like that that could have been made that at the end of the day they weren't made, and so you just see a you know a bad stat line. And I'm not trying to make excuses because he had plenty of his own you know pretty bad moments in this game. It's a rookie game. I mean, this is his rookie year, and I of course I'm like any, I'm worse than anybody else. I've got ridiculous expectations for the kid. Um, but you know, today we're going up against a team, the the Los Angeles Chargers, where you got there. They got a quarterback that is at the twilight of his career, a career that he is, you know. Plus, they just lost their uh, their owner this last week. The um, the uh, parts. I'm sorry, I got distracted here. <clears throat> the onus of uh, responsibility. Uh, I think ultimately is on uh, the coaching staff as it always, you know, should be in these in these, uh, you know, all of these situations, all these game situations. But uh, I think that uh, there was definitely on offense there was an inability to kind of cover up the uh, the wider. And and I mean, look, you get you're already down players and you get a player hurt. It's hard to recover from that. You know, it's already a patchwork deal. But there there just was kind of a, a an inability to adjust to that, I, I think. And then on defense, again, we're going to get to all of it. But at, at the same time, you know, I didn't see uh, Baker, you know, I, I didn't look like he gave up, didn't look like he was gun shy, didn't look like anything like that. It just looked like he, a combination of things really caused him to be l- way less effective than he has been to this point in his uh, short career. Uh, but I mean, that said, they, he made – there were certainly a lot of throws that were there that I thought he put on target that just weren't made. 
by the uh, by the the wide, particularly the wide receivers, the tight ends and the backs for the most part, you know, they, they held up their end of the bargain when when it was uh, their time. But you can't just go to those guys all the time, or y- you could if you kind of scheme the game plan to it. But that was the thing, even though we're down, and of course a lot of this has to do with the with the uh, overall the way the game went as well. That's why I say it goes down. It comes down to coaching. I, we we were we were down in this game um, fairly early. I mean, they go out, they you know they go down and they score on the first drive, and their the announcers are saying it's the first time the San Diego scored a touchdown or opening drive going back twenty two games. And I knew I, before the guy, and you knew it too before the guy even finished saying it. I'm like, yeah, it was against us, it, no doubt about it. It was against us. It was the last time this was done. And sure enough, that's the stat they put up there that you know it was against us the last time in 2016. And so we're down right away. But, uh, but you know, we, we the defense and we kind of played this field position game for a while. It didn't look like they were like, like they were markedly better than us. But then you have the sequence where they go out and you get two long passes. Because we had them at like the five-yard line. Two long pass plays put in the end zone on a, uh, a, a pass that where it looked like uh, Demarius had, he had gotten there, got his hand up, make the interception. It almost looked like... I don't know whether it was Gaines or Carey went and uh, pushed it into uh, back into uh, Williams' hands. But it was just—it's one of those things where it's a fifty-fifty ball, and the offense wins that every time. Which is the offense gets the benefit of the doubt every time. Which, by the way, you know that play that people call the fail Mary—the one where um, Seattle beat uh, Green Bay. They they got that play right. People complain about that. This is a controversial thing, but I just I I, I, rec- I realized that I wasn't doing this back when that was going on. They absolutely got that play right because the offense always gets the benefit of the doubt if it's a fifty if there's even any question about it. And it, and that is one thing that I have seen consistently called like one hundred percent of the times over the year. Which reminds me now that'll be something that will will get us uh, <laughs> at some point in the future. Now that I've said that. But you know, it's really just a great, a, ter- a terrific play design, throw and catch, all of those things. Uh, and so we're, da- but I, that that was just a. So we're down early, and then Baker gets hurt, and that doesn't help, you know, matters at all. Uh, the wide receivers are, you know, you know, we're already down. We lose Streeter. <clears throat> Ratley is has all sorts of trouble with, first of all, hanging on to the ball, and then he gets you know a couple of holding penalties. Yeah, he's a rookie, and just overall a young team on offense that when you have that going on, and and while all this is going on, the Chargers defense is pretty good, even without Joey Bosa. You know we can complain about not having wide receivers, but they had you know they were without the, probably their best player on defense, the guy that was number three overall pick, and you know lived up to it. The uh, entire time that he's been with uh, with the I, were they in San Diego when they drafted? I can't remember that. That he's been with the Chargers. So the uh, uh, the, the, the defense of San Diego is certainly one that you're going to have to be on your best game against. You're going to have to be at your top level of performance if you're going to take those guys down. And we weren't we weren't at our top level of performance. And then we got ham, hamstrung hamstrung hamstrung. Schobert left uh, with a hamstring, unfortunately. Those are, and, and, and then the guy is like, yeah, and it seems like this year that hamstring injuries just take forever after he gets into talking about how, like, Schobert's a super, super mega important member of our defense. Of course he is, uh, although it didn't really look like that mattered necessarily today. But, uh, 
you know, that was the thing that was ham uh, stringing us was losing a wide receiver already being down, and then you have a, a rookie quarterback going up against a good defense and kind of the offensive line having up some matchup problems, and then you lose quite a bit of your mobility because you get Gimpy on a, um, uh, you know, sliding or not even not sliding, but. Uh, what do you call it? Slipping on the first down marker, and the as he's uh, running out of bounds there. And so, you know, you, you have kind of all those things factor in. And this is this is a game that we would have had to have been like seriously at our best to win the, this game. And we had, and then we had a couple of things go against us. But then we really, really, really weren't at our best. <laughs> you know, we really weren't at our best in uh, in any phase of the game. Actually, special teams may have had its best uh, game of the year, even though Jabril Peppers, who had kind of at the same time his best receiving game or uh, return game as a pro and his worst return game as a pro. Uh, because he had a, a a big long return, and then and I don't mean to be all over the place as I always am, but then he had a, a muff later on. It's like, damn it, it's the, you know, it's the one thing I could count on is that you're not going to muff the ball, and then he does it. So you know, that just that was irritating. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> it was it was it was it was a team effort all around. But the uh, again, you know, the offensive um, problems that we have, you can overcome that with great uh, execution on offense, which is typically led by you know great quarterback play. And I think we've gotten for the most part very good, if not great, quarterback play for pretty much the moment that Baker Mayfield's been on the field. Today has been the exception to that. Um, and so when that happens, you see a, a, a you know a very you know kind of discombobulated you know really weren't able to get the uh, the ball moving until we're in garbage time basically we were able to move the ball a little bit but um, the um, uh, miscues like not getting that fourth down play uh, and, and it just kind of sailing on them uh, the or I should say going for it there on fourth down and not getting that not getting the field goal not getting the fourth down play certainly I'm talking about the fourth and two because at that point. It's a 14 to three game. I'm thinking you get the field goal here, and it's like 208 left. You get the field goal here. You kick off. You probably have the Chargers with you know about two minutes left. To, but this is before the half, and you know you, if you give up a field goal at the end, you're going in 17 to six. Not so bad. But instead, we don't. You know, we don't do that. We end up giving up. You know, I, and maybe one went that way anyway. It ended up being uh, twenty-one to six, and we're able to get the ball. But th- so then, you know, second half starts. It's twenty-one to six. We get the ball. The defense does actually do its job, gets the ball back, and Mayfield on his very first pass throws a you know a, a, a bad interception. There's just I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna make excuses for him. You know, I have crazy high expectations for him. I have been his biggest honk, his biggest proponent. By the way, I have I take back zero. There is not even one little part of me that is like regretting that we drafted him or that he is our starter or that of all the guys that we could have had over the last couple of years that he's the one we picked. No, I'm still 100. I don't want I don't want to misconstrue. I he's still 100% my guy. But that said, you know, sometimes your guy is going to have bad days, and I thought that today was, you know, that day. Uh, so, well, it, 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 no doubt. I mean, if you compare this to any of his performances so far, but again, I, I think that to, and I'm not trying to say this to make excuses for him. I guess what I'm really trying to do is just put it in context, because okay, it was a bad day for him, but there was nothing about today's performance that suggests a 
you know, long-term problem that we are going to have because today revealed a flaw. Okay, today revealed that when he's hobbled as a rookie going up against a good defense and no wide receivers, yeah, he's going to have some problems. Uh, maybe any, when he's in his third or fourth year and he's got a you know w- bad wide receiver problem and he's hobbled, that he, he performs better. You know, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll just give him the benefit of the doubt. But even with that, even even with that taking that into consideration he still you know made some throws and it wasn't you know by the and he made throws he made plays that had they been made we wouldn't have gotten to garbage time so quickly now as it happened we did get to garbage time pretty quickly and the reason that we got the garbage time as quickly as we did because oh my god the defense today uh, look, I'll, I, you know, I'm sure I'll come back to the Mayfield stuff uh, as we go along, but I feel, I, I feel like it's necessary, right? Because I have been such a hardcore proponent, a you know, not a, a, a even a not. A, I have been very, very unambiguous in my support and love for uh, Baker Mayfield. Really, going uh, about a over a year ago um, is when I kind of got on the. We need to. I, 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 don't, I could. I can't pinpoint exactly when. Uh, but it was about this time last year, but maybe even sooner than that, that I, he was he was he was my guy, and he was the one that um, that I wanted above the other ones. And there's nothing about the performance today or anything that I've seen so far that, in fact, the the the, the only the only thing that I could say is that I, I wish, the, and and this kind of goes back to the the coaching angle, is that I wish he would they would have just started him from the beginning because I think that he would be better you know further along than he is now. But I'm not again. I'm not trying to make excuses for that. It's going on because uh, it is what it is, and he's he's not as um, uh, as good as he's going to be, and so he's got some room to grow. But there's nothing there's nothing about what I saw today where it's like this guy has flaws that are just you know uh, that are irredeemable that were that are unovercomeable, and so we've got a long term problem. It's just you know he's a rookie, had a bad day. And he's gonna he's gonna have a lot more chances to go out there and play well. Uh, and I remember the uh, the quote from Peyton Manning in his rookie year. The Colts went three and thirteen. In his sophomore year, his second season in the league, the because I have to because I, I, I have to qualify with sophomores because you don't know what that is. I'm sorry, I'm still watching the end of the game here. I got started on the recording early, and it's aggravating me watching what's happening to this defense. But any at any rate, his uh, sophomore season. The Colts went thirteen and three, and that was, you know, that was obviously a that was the year they traded Marshall Falk and they brought in Edron James, and it was a much much different looking Colts team. And Peyton was a much better. I mean, he looked good as a rookie, but he was just a much better looking uh, player uh, in his second year. So I'm, uh, in that rookie year that he had. There was a lot of games where the Colts got their heads kicked in, not unlike you know what happened to us for most of today. But he said. At the end of it, or, or I should say, in subsequent interviews later on in his career, he's like, you know, we had we, got, we played a lot of uh, you know games that were like that, but I learned a lot of good football and a lot of bad games. And what he mean, what I, what I got from that anyway, is that you know, late in games, you're down by a lot of points, you don't really have a shot, but you're out there playing. So you know, you're you're it's it's live bullets, right? And it's uh, and the defense, by the way, in these situations, they know that you're a rookie. And they know that the that you have to pass basically on every down, and they know that you're struggling with a lot of things. So they do a lot of things. Uh, you know, they they to 
bring pressure and rattle you, do all these things. And when you're when you're taking lots and lots and lots and lots of reps like that, it really I can imagine that really. And I've never you know played quarterback even when I did play, but I'm saying I've never certainly never played at the NFL level, so I don't know. I can't say that I know what it's like, but I'm I'm saying that it does make sense to me that when you are taking those sort of live reps like that, that it would make a big difference. Um, to you know, kind of see that a lot of times late in games where teams are just you know sending everything after you, and then you're therefore playing those sort of defenses that allow for you, and and you see kind of where those opportunities are uh, in the 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 uh, defensive formation to exploit, and then in the again in the next year he wasn't able to really do much with it his uh, rookie year, but in his next year he came out and you know he he looked every bit like the uh, number one pick overall from the previous season so all that to say i'm not i'm I'm just not um i'm just not i'm not down on on baker really at all it was a bad game but i'm not so what i mean i'll take you know his performance today over basically any performance that sean kaiser had last year you know and now so on to the defense um the i i I don't. I don't think that our problem on defense anywhere is a lack of talent. Certainly, losing Joe Schobert hurt when it happened. But at that point, I'm pretty sure they had 28 points on the board. Now you give them, you know, one close range because of the Baker pick. But the um, <laughs> the lanes, the Chargers just absolutely. So overwhelmed the Greg Williams uh, coach game plan today. They had the. I mean, I, I think they still in the game. Even right now, whatever point you're listening to this, I think they still just ran a reverse that worked, and they just kept doing it all game, and it didn't matter. We couldn't stop it. There was nothing that we could do about it. It seemed like every that first drive, it was just chunk play, chunk play, chunk play, chunk play, touchdown. And it was everything that they did. There was, I mean, we were our guys. Even if our guys were winning their one-on-one battles, I, it, just, it looked to me all game like they were just so schemed out of their uh, uh, cleats that the. It looked to me, especially the uh, Chargers. Well, really, both sides of the ball. But especially the Chargers' offense. I mean, they just absolutely had our number uh, all day. I mean, they really did. They 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 had every they called for every right um, thing that we did, well, which was very few. They they had they had the right uh, countermeasure. They had the right reaction to it, and there wasn't like there was really a whole lot that we did right anyway. But whatever it was that we did do, they had they had a uh, uh, an answer for it. So the end of the the end result here is you know we got outclassed by a better team at home in a game that a lot of people were I think had uh, high hopes for that this was going to be a t- I, mean, I think that a lot of people had maybe um, didn't really quite have the right evaluation of the Chargers number one that's a really good team that is, that's a really good t- I, I underestimated the Chargers I kind of thought that they, well then again the, the chefs are really good but that's a uh, that's that that looks like a, a two-team race out there in the West. That's a good-looking Chargers team, and so we would have had to play our best. And our defense, even if our individual, uh, and it did look like our guys lost a lot of individual battles. Like even before Schobert got hurt, I think on one of Melvin Gordon's like 25 touchdowns that he had today, 
Schobert just completely like they, it, it looked to me like everybody did what they had to do, and the way that this defense is set up, it's Schobert's job to get in that spot, and he just didn't get there. And so it ended up being, and I think that there was a lot of that. But man, they had these, they had these outside running lanes every single damn time that was going for. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many yards Ingram ended up with. They had it, 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 two hundred and seventy-five. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was open all day, and so they kept running it all day. And then, uh, if <laughs> whenever we did, I mean, that's that was the point. Is we did like in the in the end of the. Uh, first second half the first possession of the second half we stopped them three and out and then baker throws you know probably his worst pass as a pro so so far uh gets picked off and run back for you know the other way and then we end up giving up a touchdown right away and then schobert gets hurt on the neck and that drive by the way on the next possession that schobert got hurt on and look he was on it for the start of this but you know they get their, their first and 25 and my wife is like you know, I gotta say, because the announcers are talking like this is a moment for the defense to step up, and my wife is like, I, I gotta, I don't think it matters, and I'm like, it absolutely doesn't matter. They're gonna get there. They're they're absolutely gonna convert the first down here, and then if Rivers just casually just steps back there and just you know lofts it over the middle to I think it um, uh, Allen makes the catch twenty four you know twenty two yards on first and twenty five. Yeah, yeah, so they pick up the first down and two downs. Easy, easily they pull that off. And then, like, that entire drive, it was just like, chunk play, chunk play, chunk play. And everything that we did, we just looked like, we just looked like, uh, I don't know, we just, uh, we just looked like a, a far inferior team. And I'm not trying to, to um, you know, be, be you know, over, you know, dramatic here, but I'm just saying they, they had our number in every, every phase of the game today. And as particularly on when when their offense was on the field, there there was just we there was nothing we could do defensively to slow them down the entire time. And thus, it had to be one of those games where the offense could match it, and the offense wasn't able to match it because of all the things uh, that we talked about prior to the defense. And so, you know, and like I say, you have a rookie quarterback having his worst game as a pro. You've got a a defense, and, and there may be another factor in this too, and that is that a uh, a team you realize that we have played almost a full extra game than every other team because we've had three games, we've had three overtime games, two of which went you know all the way to the end, one of which went almost all the way to the end. And so, I, I, and then all of them to this point have been these kind of uh, just heart, st- you know, like all the way down to the very bitter end, suspense-filled, just, you know, all about, um, you know, edge of your seat the entire time, and we have a shot to win, and, and well, by the way, we also have a shot to lose. You know, we're saying, a lot of people were saying coming into this that, you know, this is a team that... Could be, it could be five and zero. Oh. Yeah, we'd also be zero oh and five. That's that's another possibility. We absolutely could have blown every single one of those games. And watching this one today, it's kind of amazing that we uh, came out of at least the Baltimore game with a win. Uh, and the Jets game too. I mean, that that was one that you know we were down fourteen nothing, and it looked a lot like it started out a lot like this one did. 
but uh, and it, and I it is a question: is when did garbage time actually start today? I think it was long before Geno Smith came in. I think it was probably like midway through. I think it might have been after the uh, the interception. Like I think garbage time officially started then. The Mayfield interception in the uh, in the the begin the second half. That was when garbage time officially started. But you know, again, a, uh, a, 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 a it could very well be that. And plus, didn't the, aren't the Chargers coming off a of bye week as well? I'm not sure about that. Maybe not. Um, no, they couldn't have actually. But either way, you know, we're coming off of these. You know, every game that we've been in so far, five straight games of just and then having a um, a team that is that has played. They've just played more than any other team has to this point. And I think that a lot of that caught. And then and then you have. I think a a vastly vastly superior uh, coaching staff in terms of offensive skill position players and the uh, definitely especially the wide receiver core. Yeah, they they had our number. They they clearly had the edge over us. There's no question about that. But when it comes to the uh, the I, overall as talent goes, I don't see like I I don't look at this game as we're just so very deficient in talent. I looked at this game as the coaches were just so. I, I mean, the, particularly the offensive game plan they had against uh, Greg, they, he was just so overmatched, just so totally overmatched. Everything they did worked. And it wasn't that our guys weren't – I mean, there was a couple of missed tackles. It wasn't as bad as it was last week, quite honestly. But it just seemed like all game long our guys were just out of position. Just notoriously just out of position the whole game. And so, um, you know, it ends up being a, a it ends up being a whooping. While at the same time our offense, they – same deal. They had, they had us figured out and Baker just, you know – he made some plays, but he he also had uh, a couple of uh, you know thunkers. He also had a couple of bad plays. And hey, he's a rookie. He's going to get better. Um, we're 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 three years into we're two well actually we are two years two and a half years into the uh, the Hugh Jackson reign, and you know. It, it, there I, I, there are certainly guys that are in the league that have been successful that. Um, have games like today, you, you kind of blown out like we got blown out today. But uh, you don't. I mean, it's it's difficult for me here because I, I look at this whole performance and just look at the overall where the team is at right now, and I, I know the talent that's on this team. And yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one name probably maybe should have come up uh, prior to now. Maybe uh, you know, Josh Gordon. Anyone <laughs> would have been maybe kind of be nice to have him around uh, right around now. Would have really been nice to see what what could have happened with him and Baker out there together. Um, but look, Baker's going to be all right. He's going to. I'm, I'm not worried about him at all. He's going to bounce back. But we're now, like I say, two and a half years into this, and this team just did not look prepared at all uh, to me today. Yeah, they just did not look prepared for the team that they were playing against. And meanwhile, the char and and look, the, when when you're talking about the last two years, I've given Hugh a lot, a lot, a lot of latitude when it comes to you know young team. He's got a lot of young players. There's a lot of um, learning that has to be done, and you got to give him some credit for. Um, you know, managing all of these young players, and for the most part, getting a lot out of them. You know, all, all of that. 
Well, we're in, you know, now we're into year three, and I, I, I just, I don't know if I have the same level of patience. I, I realize there are a lot of young players, particularly, again, the wide receiver position. You know, mentioned that a lot today. But this is a team that has a lot of talent on it, and it, it shouldn't have, you know, the doors blown off it like this. But, I mean, at the same time, it's, it's you know, we're two, three, and one now. And it, it, this is better than it's been, you know, in a long time. I think it was like four years, they said, was our, is our best start in four years. So you can't discard that totally. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to take the good with the bad as far as it goes. But when you just see a another example today where, you know, irrespective of Baker's bad play, irrespective of the, the wide receivers playing poorly, and I realize that you can't take that out. That's kind of like saying, yeah, the guy had a – if you take away all that guy's big runs, he had a terrible game. Well, you can't take away his big runs. He had, those are his runs. And so you can't take away – um, the factors of the of the result that end up you know leading to the result, and that's you know the guys that actually were the ones tasked with making the plays themselves. But I'm just saying from a scheme standpoint, and we were just outclassed in every in every phase of the operation. They we were just uh, we just weren't as good as these guys in any way, and they were they are just a much 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 better team, and hand it. To the way that they have uh, constructed that thing over there in, uh, in in Los Angeles, man, talk about Los Angeles with <laughs> with the Rams and the way that they're playing, and now with uh, the Chargers. I mean, that that could legitimately be a Super Bowl uh, matchup. Although, as I say, Kansas City looks tough, and you know this wasn't going to be our year to uh, compete anyway. And hey, uh, yeah, I realize as uh, as absurd as uh, anybody would think it is to talk about, and it probably is. You know, two, three, and one, eh? Postseason window still open. I didn't say that. I don't. That that none of that matters at all. The only thing that matters now is hey, it's one game. You know, that's it. That's it's one game for everybody. And but I, the, the point about Hugh is that this was a, another in a long series of games. You know, the, the point about Todd Haley was supposed to be that he could kind of take over a lot of the play-calling responsibilities and offensive responsibilities altogether, and that would enable Hugh to do more of the, uh, you know, what do you call it, game management and uh, all of that. And and we have a game t- today where there's and, – and maybe that has manifested itself in and why the games have all been close so far this year. But then you have a, a stinker like today, and maybe it's just, you know, maybe maybe today is just a bad game for everyone, and sometimes you're just going to have bad games for everyone, particularly in a growing year like this. You know, I go back to my, my first, uh, you know, growing up as a Browns fan, 1991 was the first year that I started watching. It was the first year that Bill Belichick actually uh, – was named our coach and he well he was named our coach he that was the first year of him coaching the team and we went six and ten that year and then in year two we went seven and nine year three went seven and nine and then it was year four i've talked about this a lot of times year four went you know there's another pass in the fourth quarter that went off ratley's hands year four we went uh 11 and five and there was games not quite like this. Then again, offenses generally weren't like they are today, uh, back in the mid '90s. But there was lots of games that were, you know, just not, you know, just 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 off performances. And then the team bounced back the next week. So uh, all I'm saying is that now we we started in a much different place. 
you know, that 91 club had, you know, they, they, they had a lot of veterans on it. Belichick brought some new, you know, obviously he brought a lot of young talent, you know, with him, as all coaches do. Uh, and there was, you know, definitely a lot of turnover as far as it goes. But there was also a lot of uh, veteran uh, presence on that team. Bernie was still the quarterback, uh, and there was just, you know, there, there, there was a lot. That, that, we still had, uh, you know, Slaughter and Langhorn and Brennan and all those guys. So defense still, you know, uh, had a lot of those you know, middle field, and I think Dixon might have even been around uh, at that point. But at any rate, actually, no, not in 91. But uh, when – that was it was a totally different dynamic from where we started at which was the total total teardown rebuild that we did so the teardown rebuild that we just did is a um you know you have a different level of expectation and of course we go 1 and 15 the first year through and then 0 and 16 the second time through and it, it's 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 what it is and this year we're two, three, and one, and so whatever it is that we would consider to be success for the 2018 campaign, um, at this point, I, I guess it really just depends on what. By, by this I mean, what would it take for Jackson, Hugh Jackson, Coach Hugh Jackson, uh, to keep his job? And, and of course, this is this is irrespective of whether or not I think it's a good idea for us to consider canning Hugh. And on this, it's a it's it's a challenging thing, particularly after a game like today. And next week, we're going up against a Tampa Bay club that got their quarterback today. And so that's not going to be uh, an easy out by any stretch of the imagination. Their defense is no good, but, you know, our offense wasn't very good today. And, of course, we'll have to, uh, you know, hope that whatever is, is up with uh, Baker's leg. But we, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do about the wide receiver position. I don't see Streeter coming back. Not that I mean, not that we had. Not I mean, he was he was a. You know, I mean, he, he was somebody we picked up off the street three weeks ago. So we're still going to have problems with the wide receiver position. And look, I'm I've been on record for a lot of uh, time saying that wide receivers are not like when you're talking about rebuilding the team. People put a lot of emphasis on wide receivers, or at least we did. A lot of our people did. And my point was always when you have the quarterback, the wide receiver position is pretty much going to take care of itself. And I, that's true. And I think that on balance, the wide receiver quarterback paradigm is much more dominated by the efficacy of the quarterback than the other way around. In other words, the quarterback makes wide receivers look better way more so than is the other way around. But it's different story when they're this bad. And by this bad, I mean, we're down to now Lando, who can't seem to get open. Higo's hurt, so his replacement was going to be Willies. Willies gets hurt, who was also a rookie, but flashed some last week. So now we're down to Streeter. He gets hurt, so now we're down to Ratley, who was a, what, sixth-round pick? Fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick? I think a late fifth for Ratley. I don't remember. But, you know, late-round pick. Got size, got speed, but just not a whole lot of experience. Didn't play a lot, didn't make a whole lot of plays at uh, Texas A&M. We've got and, and Callaway, who's having his own kind of you know rookie funk going on that's been going on kind of the last couple of games after a really kind of a strong showing to start both in preseason and to start the year. Uh, he's definitely cooled off. So we have a veteran that is you know having trouble. Going up against team's number one cornerbacks, we've got a, a rookie that's having trouble just adjusting to, and then we've got, and then everybody else is hurt behind those guys, 
and the, the people that we got backing them up, and even Ratley uh, got hurt today. So does that mean now that it does look to me like right now what we're looking at, because I don't think Higo's coming back next week. So that means that right now we're looking at, I think it literally is Landry and Callaway are the only healthy receivers that we have. Unless, you know, uh, Ratley's okay, but that means Ratley's our number three. I don't think Schreeder's going to play. I don't think Willie's is coming back. So we did just sign Brashad Perryman. That just happened uh, two days ago. Now, Perriman is a former first-round pick of the Ravens and um, had, a, had, a, had a not good career there. Uh, definitely, you know, bust of a situation there with him. But, hey, sometimes it works out. We also picked up Greg Robinson to uh, play some tackle. And uh, that, you know, right now he's backing up for us. So, you know, it's 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 what it is, and the overall, um, I'm 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 again not, I'm I'm not pleased with uh, with Mayfield's performance. You know, obviously he's the focal point of everything that uh, that exists in our world, but I'm not I'm not down on the kid. Um, the defense, yeah, I'm I'm. I think that the problems that we have there, and now we're and, and we're a year and a half into Greg now. And as good of a game as he called last week, it was that bad of a game that was called this week. Now, they could all, everything could turn around. You know, it's entirely possible that the offense could get clicking and the defense clicking. We go out there and, and uh, you know, totally, you know, beat the hell out of a Tampa Bay next week. I'm That is not me predicting that. I'm just saying that it's, it's within the realm of the possible. But... You know, if we have a whole lot more games that are like this, and let's say by the end of this year we only win another two or three games, I don't. Again, I'm I'm not predicting that either. I think that today was a a bad performance, a bad showing for Mayfield. I think he's going to bounce back from it, and you know, and and it's it's all going to be fine. Uh, you look at the best quarterbacks that have ever played, and those that played in their rookie year had bad games during their rookie year. It's just the way it is. Uh, well, except well, Roethlisberger even had a bad rookie game. Um, it was in the AFC Championship game, you know. So it's it was already probably not going. I mean, and that's probably the best like rookie season for a quarterback ever was Roethlisberger, and, and that was because he went to a team that was already established, that already basically had. You know what happened with. You know, the, the, the Yinzers back in those days is they basically were a perennial playoff team. They had this ground-and-pound approach, and they put anybody back there, and they went to the playoffs with anybody, and anybody included Cordell Stewart and uh, before him, Neil O'Donnell, and they would get, like, deep into the playoffs, but they would always lose because they never had that quarterback that could get them over the hump. Well, then one year, Tommy Maddox um, – did okay and so they decided to change their entire approach around that well he didn't work out and so they ended up having a year where it wasn't even that down of a year i think they finished like seven and nine but that was good enough for them to get like the 12th pick and with the 12th pick they get roethlisberger who steps into like the perfect situation for a team that except for the year prior had been like in the playoffs every year so if all that to say if mayfield were to step into a situation like that then he would be, you know, the team would be undefeated and he would be setting all kinds of rookie records right now. And and I'm not, again, trying to uh, explain away his bad performance. It was a bad performance. Well, what do you want? He, may, he, there, there was, he also didn't get a, a lot of help from his teammates in many cases. Uh, there's still, 
you know, a lot about I'll, I'll give you a, a comparison. You know, there was times during the 2014 season when even when we were winning with uh, Brian Hoyer where there was just there were flaws in his game that chief of which was just really bad accuracy that you just knew was you you can't overcome that and with baker i mean okay he had a bad game but you know he's not going to he's not going to be gimpy every game he's not going to have you know two wide receivers every game and he's not going to uh, be a rookie every game so you know, it's all it's it's all good as far as that goes. And honestly, at the end of the day, that's really the thing that matters more than anything else. The defense, you know, from a talent standpoint, you know, I'm I'm not. I didn't see a situation today where the Chargers were just blowing our guys off the ball. Um, I saw guys out of position. Whereas last week they were constantly in position. Today they were constantly, and by out of position I just mean that the the scheme that the the all of the schemes that the Chargers were running, all of them, every every one of them, just had their guys wide open. Whether it was uh, you know in the passing game or whether it's particularly in the running game, the outside zone running game, they just I mean in, uh, not Ingram. Um, the uh, I can't think of the guys. Uh, the is it Ingram? The, the running back. Uh, yeah, Melvin Ingram. Uh, no, <laughs> Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Ingram's the uh, the pass rusher. Two Melvins on the uh, Chargers across me up there. You know the guy. He's a good running back, but I mean, you would you would see him get the pitch, and then you look, and it's just all this open room before any of our guys even get close to it. This guy, he had to have averaged about eight or nine yards a carry today. And that's not, and we've seen our guys be able, it's not because, you know, we're unable to set the edge, it's because of, our, you know, Miles being just totally schemed out of the play, both because of what we were calling defensively and what they were calling offensively, which tells me that they're, they, they had our tendencies, they knew what we did well, and they were just better prepared to deal with it. And so, to me it comes down to, if if, if these are things... If these are things that are not fixable from a coaching standpoint, is it, it? The first question is: Is it smart to consider making a move? And if it is, if the answer to that question is yes, at what time would you do that? Now, the first part of that question: Would it be smart to make a move? And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not on. I'm generally not on the fire coach bandwagon. You know, pretty much no matter who we're talking about. But you know, there are certainly are extenuating circumstances, and I think that the last three years are a lot of extenuating circumstances. Hugh has gotten a lot of rope. It would have. It's in other words, it's one thing to lose a game to the Chargers. It's another one to throw out a stink bomb like the one that we had today. Uh, and you know, for all of, I got, I got to th- toss Meathead into this because for all of the talk about not having enough real football players, hey Meats, um, not a whole lot of real wide receivers out there today. Which is to say that there's blame to go all around for this. But then you can kind of expect that when you've got a team that I mean, other than Jackson, you know, Dorsey's only been on the team for a year and a half. You know, Jackson's been on the team for three years. Uh, right now, Haslam is the guy that's been a part of the organization the longest, and he's been on the team. He's, he's owned the team for six years. It's not really a long time. When you, and it, which is to say that this is all a group of players that, yeah, there's a lot of talent on this team. And in, in games where 
uh, everything kind of not everything, but where where we get a lot more things going in our direction, we're able to hang with some teams. We've got the talent to hang with any team, but if we're going up against a really good coaching staff, like apparently San Diego has, uh, the problem isn't talent, is what I'm getting at. And and I the last thing I'm advocating is to get rid of uh, uh, Meathead. I love that guy. You know, he got Baker, and you know he got Ward, and and Ward didn't have his best game today, but. You know, that's the thing. Even great players have bad games. And we've got maybe a couple of great players on this team, and maybe all of them had a bad game today. And so, you know, we lose and lose big. Um, But two and a half years into this, when you've got a team with this much talent, you know, how much can you really – how much grace can you extend to a coach in that type of a circumstance? And how long? And I'm, I'm I'm asking this kind of rhetorically, but I also kind of ask it, it, it from strategically in the sense of at what point would does Jimmy Haslam say this is a team that there's even if if they would have lost this game today, I predicted we would that the score I predicted was a 32 to 27, and the if the loss today would have been something like that then it's like hey it's still a young team it's still an exciting team da, da, da. but we didn't, we, didn't, we that wasn't close we got blown out we got the doors blown off of us today and if that happens a couple more times and, and admittedly that didn't really happen a whole lot last year but if that were to happen a couple more times especially since you know that there's there's talent on this team you know then does the seat get hot and if the seat does get hot what do you do you know, is it, is it one of these deals where no matter what, you stick with Hugh towards, towards the end of the season? What if our record is 2-10-1? and one? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not, again, I'm not predicting that, but what if that's the do – you, do you make a move then? At what point would you make the move? If it comes if – if that is – in other words, if the answer to the question is that there's a number, there's a point at which this season where enough losing is enough and Haslam – is going to pull the trigger. What is that point? What is that line of demarcation? Is it, you know, is it five more losses? Is it six more losses? Is it is it you know twelve in a row? And then at that, or do you just let him go all the way through and we finish you know two thirteen and one, or two fourteen and one? And I, I get it. I'm I'm not. <clears throat> no, it would be two thirteen and one. I'm not being dire here. I'm not saying that that's how it's going to turn out. I'm just saying, what do you do? Would you would you do that, or would you at some point? Cut ties, and then what do you do at that point? Do you name a lot of people have uh, named Todd? Uh, say now, to, a lot of people say to name Todd Haley the interim court uh, coach. Is, does anybody feel like that should be the case after watching the game today? I'm not sure that I would, you know, be that way. But then, who who would you do? You know who I would do? Chris Tabor. That's right. But short of that, that's but that, but see, th- this is where it comes down to is the problem that we've had organizationally with this with this club and this predates you uh this really has been the hallmark of the haslam era you know he's kind of been the anti uh randy lerner you know al lerner kind of picked his guy and and that was his guy and his guy for the most part was pretty good 
and they had that thing going, and it looked like everything was on the upswing, and then he died. So then Randy kind of, you know, all of that fell out of favor with him. He then goes out and tried to just get those guys to just run the team. He was not going to be a guy that was going to be hands-on with the organization. Sells the club to Haslam, and Haslam has been a totally different type of owner. Haslam has been a guy that he's going to make the ultimate decision. And the the thing that has differentiated our um, organizational structure from others in the league is that with us, we have had our coaches and our GMs reporting directly to the owner. Whereas... Typically, you've got like the owner who hires a team president. The team president will hire a GM. The GM will hire the coach, and the coach then coaches the team. The GM gets in the players, and that's how things, for the most part, that is your basic organizational structure. But no, what we do is we have hired, we've had now multiple iterations of we hire the GM, and then we hire the coach independent of this, uh, or vice versa. We hire the coach and hire the GM. I mean, Dorsey did not hire Hugh. Hugh predated Dorsey. And so they don't have that exact, um, you know, kind of hierarchy of responsibility. So all of that to say, I don't know, and I don't think anybody else can know. There's a lot of people that make uh, – I, I, I personally, I, I think that it is – and maybe self-serving is a bit harsh, but I think that it's wishful thinking. But it's an assumption, based on wishful thinking, that the the order would be that, that Dorsey has so impressed Hugh, and Dorsey is so Hugh's guy, that Haslam... I'm sorry, not Hugh. Haslam. I'm getting this all confused. That Dorsey has so impressed Haslam, and Dorsey is so his guy, that if it comes down to this, if the decision is made to move on from Hugh Jackson at some point. And, and I realize it's probably too soon to be having this conversation, but I don't care. I know how these things go, and that's why I'm having it. Um, because I, I honestly do have a bit of a conviction that I don't think Hugh was a good coach. And as much as I would like for... But but having said that, 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 that there is an open question, therefore, about whether or not the right move for us is to can him. I'm just talking about the, you know, kind of the, the balls and strikes of what I see happening, not necessarily what I would want to have happen. And and to that point, if it, it'd be one thing if and, and this is what people are convincing themselves of that if 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 Dorsey were the one that was making the decision, he says, "I want to get my guy out there. I know who I I know who would be a great coach. I've done a great job of picking players. I can do a great job. So I'm a great, I'm good at evaluating talent and picking players. I'm also good at evaluating talent with picking coaches. You let me pick out our guy. And then that guy is going to report to me. I'm going to get him his players, and he's going to coach the players that I get, which also means that the guy that I get is going to work with the players that we have on this team because I don't need a guy to come in here and say that he wants everything new. And you're with me on that, right? I mean, that's all. that all sounds good, right? And if that were the case, if if I could know, right, that that were the case, if I could be certain <clears throat> that that's what the conversation would be, <clears throat> that Haslam would say, oh, "I'm just tired of going through this. I'm just going ahead and let you let you handle this one, Hoss." If that if that's how that conversation went, I got to be honest with you, I wouldn't have a problem with firing Hugh today. Maybe that's maybe that's over the line. Maybe that's too harsh. I don't care. I don't think that 
Um, I I don't think that I need to see too much more. I do agree. I, I, I acknowledge that it could get worse. And see, this is the point. I don't Since I don't know the answer to that question, since I don't know that Haslam would give Dorsey that proper authority to make a coaching change and to pick his guy, and that guy would be compatible and would comport with everything that's been done to this point. <clears throat> since I don't know the answer to that question, I therefore have to surmise and I have to assume and I have to speculate that what will happen is what has happened. And that is that Haslam himself will be the one, or Haslam, a combination of Haslam and D, or that he him he and Dorsey will all be in on the process together, but it will ultimately be Haslam himself that picks the next coach. Well, there's entirely possible scenario where Haslam picks somebody that's even worse than Hugh. And not only that, he finds somebody that comes in, and if, look, if you can hire a GM... <clears throat> that can come in and say that your guy, that, that you don't have real players, you know, replacing the GM that you just hired a year and a half earlier than there, than then. Then you could certainly have a new coach that comes in and says, yeah, you know, these guys just aren't enough for me. And you, and this whole thing starts all over again. Because you see, here's the point. When everybody is reporting to the coach, I'm sorry, when everybody is reporting to the owner, the coach, the GM, the team president, everybody, when they're all doing that, and given the type of, of owner that we apparently have <clears throat> that means that everybody is all the time competing for his good graces his understanding and his you know side of the or, or I should say to be on his side in whatever conflict it is to arise which means that you probably have to spend a lot of time politicking against the other people that are in within the organization when things go wrong I think there's a lot of that that went into the dynamic that occurred last year around the trade deadline that ultimately got Sashi Brown fired and not to get into a whole Sashi versus Hugh thing I think that Sashi probably participated in a lot of that stuff himself when he was in a similar position uh, prior to all of this I'm saying it's not about the players, and by players I mean the the individuals in the front office level that we're talking about here involved. It's about the way that the structure is set up that allows, that well, almost compels these types of things to happen. I do wonder how much time over the last couple of years has been spent by Hugh Jackson thinking about that more than he's been thinking about um, preparing for the games. Okay, and if that's the case, I don't know that another coach is going to come in here and do any better. Remember that Hugh was—I mean, it wasn't close. He was the best uh, coach prospect that was on the market in, uh, you know, blow up 2016. And it wasn't close. He was the best one, and that's why it was such a huge shock when he's, you know, signed with us. Uh, I didn't expect it, certainly. Um, I, I predicted that no, that none of the top tier guys, you know, we're going to to think. Of, as it turned out, the top tier guy that we really should have went after was Doug Peterson. But whatever, didn't work out that way. We ended up getting Hugh, and so it could very well be that he actually is, uh, you know, a, or was. Maybe it's too late, you know, a, a guy that could be an effective head coach. But then he gets into this this structure where he ends up becoming a different type of, of character. His job becomes different. His focus becomes different. And I, I, that's the, you know, that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. The other side of this 
Could be. I wonder how many times goes back to Hard Knocks. And that scene, it was, I, I'm almost positive it was the first episode, maybe it was the second episode, but I think it was the first episode, where Hugh is talking to the coaches, his coaches, and Haley is saying, these guys are not prepared. You know, we talk about where we want to be, and I'm telling you that if we want to be where we say we want to be, these guys are not ready. They're not at the level they want to be at. And it was really in regard to guys getting injured. And Hugh gives the, well, I'm the one driving the bus here. I understand. I've sat in that chair. But, you know, I'm sitting in this chair, and I'm the one that's got to be, you know, it's going to be my call. I'm the one driving the bus. So if I'm driving the bus, we're going to drive the bus my way. Okay, fine. I wonder, just like I wonder how much time that could have been spent preparing for the next opponent has been spent instead on this sort of internecine politicking that I'm describing between the owner, the GM, and so on. I similarly ask how much time has been sent has been spent by Hugh giving that speech instead of listening to when his coordinators and his coaches have been telling him, hey, we're not good enough in this area. We need to get better here. I wonder, and I do, I, I honestly wonder, I wonder if that is why Chris Tabor left. You know, people, people get, they, they don't necessarily remember that Chris Tabor did not get fired. He asked to be let out of his contract so he could leave. And go, by the way, coach the best special teams unit in the NFL right now at the Chicago Bears. Why do you think that is? Tabor had survived, I think, three coaching staffs. And yet, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle a third year of Hugh Jackson. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm Mr. Three Years. But I'm saying that when, it, when you have a game like today where you should have known that the team you were going up against was, you know, they, they, these guys were rolling. These guys are balling. And if you if you know that, and you still can't you still can't be anywhere near in position offensively or defensively, and then you can't you know overcome that and scheme for your obviously talented rookie quarterback. And not to say that the rookie quarterback didn't make his own mistakes, but the whole way that this uh, game was executed did not did not help him at all. And hey, he'll grow from it. He'll learn from it. I'm not worried about Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't know that Hugh Jackson is ever going to get any better than he is right now. And I'm not suggesting, or I am suggesting that actually. I'm not, but I'm not, you know, proclaiming that that's the case, that there's just no way that he could ever, you know, improve. Um, Hugh could get better. It could happen. And if Hugh getting better is the best possible uh, uh, case scenario for us, as in. We fire Hugh, but then we bring in my guy, Bobby Bob Cooter, the guy that I've been uh, lobbying for. That Really, I just suspected that he would be the guy because uh, there hasn't been a head coach at Warren Flannel on the sidelines in a long time, and that's got to end, and that would be our guy, Robert Bob Cooter, who will uh, be the, the guy that ultimately Jimmy Haslam hires, who will come in and say, hey, man, uh, I don't like a lot of these players. we got to get different guys in here. And then we start that process all over again. And then he goes in, you know, he's trashing the guys that Meathead brings in. Meathead is doing the best he can. To um, you know, but by that point, Meathead will have been here for two, for two years, and you notice that it seems like the loyalty always goes with the guy that's been here the shortest amount of time. You know, right now everybody trusts Meathead, but you replace Hugh, and pretty sure whoever comes in, he'll get the benefit of the doubt over Meats. But we'll see. And if that's the case, and you got. Um, you know, a, a, a guy, like let's say he decides he wants to go to a three-four and have Miles stand up. Not that that necessarily matters as much. I know that this that scheme variance isn't you know rigid as, as it used to be, 
at, but at the same time, uh, you know, if he wants to change it drastically and he doesn't like the players that we have, we may be talking about another, you know, couple, three years of of that churn that always, 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 always happens whenever we go through these coaching changes. Well, then, if if the if if the dichotomy here is Hugh can improve and he will get a little bit better as as he just keeps doing this for a long, long period of time versus we bring in a guy that is just going to set this whole thing back and waste the young years of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Baker Mayfield and whoever else that you like on this team that's that's young and because we got a lot of young players on this team that are very very talented if it, it, you know it may be that at the end of that two to three year cycle that the team is you know hard and ready to go or it may be that at the end of that two to three year cycle we're looking at the same situation that we're in right now and we decide to blow it up all over again and i know i'm a broken record on this but that because we are that's because we are a broken record as an organization when it comes to all this stuff so i'm not saying that i would necessarily have a problem with with uh 86 and hugh jackson again if i if i could know that john dorsey was the one making the call I would be for it right now. I would be for it. I would be for... And I wouldn't care at that point, so long as Baker is starting, I wouldn't care what we did um, the rest of the year as far as wins and losses. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, you could put an interim guy... Let's say it is Haley. Or, you know, let's go ahead and just, just, just go all the way with it. Put Amos Jones in there. Screw it. Why not? And let me you know, have him be the interim head coach. Um, because you're because it's it's because it's worth firing him at the end of the season anyway, and you know the interim coach doesn't usually stick around after he's done being the interim coach. You know, it didn't work out that way for Terry Rubisky, who was a real guy, um, but he and he was our interim coach. Was he our last interim coach? I can't remember. But those guys don't usually stick around. So go ahead, make Amos Jones the interim head coach. We go two thirteen and one to end the year. You know, and Baker gets a lot of good experience playing a lot of bad football, and we have the top, you know, one or two picks, and we use that to, uh, I don't know, what what do we, yeah, what do we, we want to spend top pick on a wide receiver? I don't think I like that. <laughs> That's that usually doesn't work out too well. Uh, what do you do there? You know, if we had the top pick, I, I, you know, people hate this, but there are a couple of defensive um, players. There are a couple of tackles and 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 some ends. Uh, you know, if we if that happened, <clears throat> what do you think about Nick Bosa and then moving Agba, Agba inside? I, I realize it's so absurd for me to talk, be talking like this right now, but <clears throat> I'm just saying. I'd rather I'd I'd be fine with doing that. Have Amos come in there. He coaches the team. We tank the rest of the year. Baker gets some good experience. We clean house, and Dorsey brings in his own guy. And his own guy brings in his own guys to work with the players that we have on the existing roster. And I think that it would be a shocking turnaround from uh, one year to the next. You know, Now, that all of that having been said, I think it's entirely possible that the team could um, come out next week and look a lot better. They, they, they should look a lot better. They, they, comparatively, they're playing a, a, a much worse team, in my opinion, than... Um, than uh, the one that they face today. But they could come out and look a lot better next week, and this entire outlook could be a lot different. But I'm just, it's not about today for me when talking about Hugh Jackson. It's about the cumulative. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm all about patience. 
you know, but, the, but you know, Mike, they were people were ready to run Mike Pettin out of town with a lot more success under the belt, and not all. Well, I mean, he had uh, some older players, but I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say much better talent uh, on the roster. This is a very talented roster, and we really shouldn't be getting you know blown out of games. It's, again, it's a rookie quarterback. And I think last year, when I would come to you at the end of all of these losses, that would always, that would be like the first thing every year, would, every game would be, well, it's a rookie quarterback, and it's a rookie, a rookie gonna rookie, and he rookied all over the place again today. And so, yeah, I, I, this is the first time that, you know, saying that about Baker, maybe the last time that we're saying that about Baker. But I, as far as the overall direction of the team, you just hope that this is one of these growing pain losses that uh, the coaching staff can kind of get their, uh, their their arms and their head wrapped around. And you know what? We're on to Tampa. I will actually be in attendance for that game, so it's uh, worth pointing out. I do intend to uh, record, um, you know, although certainly you never know, uh, barring some unforeseen calamity, but as in I'll be in attendance, it will probably end up being uh, later than uh, what, what you normally – what you normally get, certainly, than it was today, because I was able to get a little bit of a start on it, because this one was decided early, as the Los Angeles Chargers just uh, just pile it on the good guys today at uh, Factory of Sadness at First Energy Field. And it's just sad that, you know, Joe Thomas, you know, one of the most amazing careers in Browns history, we have a celebration day and just get, just get blown out. Whatever. Uh... Another day, you know, another day at the old park. We'll get back out there, and, you know, the guys are going to play better than they did today this year. That's gonna We're going to win some games this year. I don't mean to be fatalist about this. But the question about Hugh Jackson's, you know, acumen and whether or not he should be the one, because, you know, with a, a talented roster, it, 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 there, there does come a time. There does certainly come a point in time, and Jimmy Haslam, I think, does deserve a little bit of credit that you know, despite everything, he did stick with his guy this time around, no matter what. Okay, I'm going to give him. I'll, I will give him credit where it's due when it comes to that. Um, but it may be that this was the wrong guy to uh, to uh, back. But you know, you can you can atone for that one as well if that is the case. And if there's too many more games like this one today, this year. That then, uh, then then I think that 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 um, that may- now we reel off you know four or five wins in a row and uh, have a you know and then have one of these stinkers and it just may be that you know it's a rookie team and sometimes you're going to have you know if, if we sprinkle in a couple of ones where we beat up somebody as badly as we got beat up today well that would be nice but uh, you know it's a uh, it's 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 one loss and nobody expected that uh, that we were going to go out there and win every game for the rest of the year and as bad as uh, a bad as bad a loss as this is it's one loss it's only one loss and it all can turn around next week it certainly is going to i think get better as the season rolls along and you know next year coming into it is really when we're going to um See some improvements, either because we're going to be in the fourth year of Hugh, because he was somehow able to clear whatever the whatever the unknown number of wins it is going to take to keep him from getting uh, deposed, as have all of his pre- predecessors under much. Like, could you, could you imagine what Rob Chudzinski would be? He, he, by the way, is my guy. He is actually the guy that um, if I could pick anybody, if it was if 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 Hazel called, hey, easy, who do you, who who would you pick? You know, you seem to know everything. Rob Chudzinski, that is who I would pick right now to come coach this team but 
not going to happen. This has been Easy Does It. My name is Easy Weave on the DBN Network. We always appreciate you uh, being here every week. Love talking to you. Love uh, being with you. Love, you know, love the Cleveland Browns, even when they are ugly. And who boy, were they ugly today. But um, it's okay. We'll get back at it um, next week and on into the future. I hope that you have. I hope that you have between now and then a wonderful week out there. Whatever it is that you are doing, have a great rest of the Sunday. Uh, until then, good luck. God bless. Take care. See ya. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.